Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will point one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you're running so that's for sure. You already know all about you. Cut you down. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And I want to tell you all that I love you Appreciate you so very much. Um, Patrons, convicts, Apple subscribers, you've gotten two bonus episodes recently, and another one is on the way. All right. Let's get y'all stay tuned in the end of the show for more real life, real crime announcements. And let's get into this case. It's a hard one, y'all, but this is real life, real crime. And this case came to my attention through several lifers once I'd done a story on. Uh, Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women, and Antoinette Frank, the, the, the only lady that's on death row for uh, uh, killing her partner for the NOPD and the other people in the restaurant. But the one of the lifers reached out to me and said, hey, I heard you were going to talk about Amy Bear," And she said, well, I knew her, right? And I knew her growing up, et cetera. And then I had another Life reached out to me and, and give me some information on, you know, her prison life and stuff like that. I'm talking about Amy A. Bear's prison life and stuff like that. And they said basically what it said, and, and I looked it up, is that Amy A. Bear is the most famous female 
prisoner, if you can use that, or most infamous female prisoner in the state of Louisiana besides uh, Antoinette Frank. Now, Antoinette Frank, I told you, she's the only one on death row well, and sentenced to death, but she's housed at the women's prison. But anytime she moves from place to place, they lock the whole prison down. Uh, uh, even if she's just going to eat or whatever. They lock everybody down so she can't have contact. So that got me curious. I'm like, Amy Abair, what's up with her? Let me let me check it out. And so I've been in contact, and you know who you are, with the lifers who had personal interaction with Amy, et cetera. Um, but let me tell you the story. And we're going to name this episode Insane, question mark. And, you know, this is hard. Look, I'm, I'm I'm going to say now my hearts go out to to the victims' families, their daddies and the grandparents and even the perpetrator's family, right? And and this story is bizarre, really, really bizarre. Uh, so let's go back to a- Amy. Uh, Amy, when she was coming up, and this told me by a friend that, you know, a really, really good friend of hers in, in growing up that she was beautiful, outgoing, that um, she was in the dance team and the cheer team, and she just, everybody liked her. Uh, it says she was very religious, and that when she was in high school, she met Chad Abair, and y'all have spelled H-E-B-E-R-T is a good Cajun name if you're not from down here. But the she met Chad, and she was smitten with him by all accounts, and they dated, and guess what? And, uh she would graduate from Thibodeau High School, and the information I got was in the year of 1985. And, y'all, that's just as far south Louisiana as you can go in the heart of Cajun country, okay? And But I asked it, friend, I said, well, what did y'all do you know, when you were coming up as teenagers like that? And, and, and she said, well, I said, where'd you hang out? And, you know, uh, what'd you do for parties and stuff like that? And she said, well, Woody, we... Would you just go to different people's houses for parties? Or, heck, sometimes we'd even party in a cane field. And she said, don't judge. I'm like, yeah. you know, I said, uh, I'm not judging because I'm from a small town, too. And when sometimes we'd party at the gravel pits, right? There's just a place you could go at nighttime and drink and have fun with your friends. And no, no cops were ever going to disturb you. But she said, she said that Amy was just an all-American girl. And uh, she even was homecoming queen, y'all. Now, I, I didn't verify that other than this is coming from her friend. But she said she was absolutely beautiful and she was homecoming queen and that they graduated in 1985. Well, life goes on, right? And Amy and Chad, in 1991, on August the 9th, they were married, okay? And... Three, almost three years later, in 1994, they moved to 118 St. Anthony Street in Matthews, Louisiana, y'all, which is way down south, uh, not that far from Thibodeau. Um, and, you know, they're, he's, Chad's working in the business and growing growing up, and then they, they're doing what young people do. And, and, on June the 4th, 1998, they, Amy gives birth to their first, to their daughter, Camille Catherine Hebert. Uh And then 
doing what married people do, raising the families, living their life. They Amy later give birth to Braxton John Abair in on May the twelfth of two thousand. So that's two years apart, right? That's about what happens. I always you know joke when people have their kid and it's about a year and a half old, and I'm like, and <laughs> and they let them stay with the grandparents for the first time or whatever to spend the night, and they get to have date night. And I said, hey, that's how baby brothers and sisters get made, and evidently. In this time frame, it's about the same thing between Camille and, and Braxton when they were born. Um, but as happens so often, what I think the divorce rate is 50% in the state of Louisiana. Um, in July of 2005, the Chad and, and Amy separated, right? And then that, uh, Evidently, one or both didn't want to reconcile, and in April of 2006, they got divorced. All right. Now, Amy continued to live in, in at St. Anthony Street in Matthews with with the kids, Camille and Braxton. On August the 20th, 20th of 2007, they, as in so many, I don't know if it's outside of Louisiana, I would assume so many you know rural areas, a lot of people live close to their parents, right? You can almost call them compounds, like you live down the street or across the street or on the same property. Your parents give you the piece of land to develop the property, et cetera. And, well, that was the case on this one. But it was was Chad's parents who lived pretty much across the street from where Amy was still living with their grandkids. And on August the 20th of 2007, their grandfather, Camilla Braxton's grandfather, Chad's dad, um, RJ, but he went by Buck, y'all. He, you know, he was wondering, like, hey, where are my grandkids at, right? And and, and then he came, became concerned for both of them and uh, um, Amy. So he goes over to the house and to check on them. That he he knocks on the uh, the front door, no one answers. Right, really unusual. And, and you the the vehicle was home, et cetera, and you and you, you know unusually goes around and tries to get in the house and he can't get in. Well, now he knows something's wrong. All right, so he he breaks into the utility room and by climbing through a window. So you're pretty desperate at this point. You know, I mean, you're scared or or you just know something's wrong. Uh, so RJ or Buck is what he went by. And when he goes in, he sees, he gets it, goes into the kitchen, uh, or, you know, kitchen dining area, whatever you want to call it. And he sees blood on the floor, right? In, in the kitchen and dining area. It's, and it's blood spatter, y'all. And so he, he keeps going through the house. I imagine he's calling out for him and it's not getting any response. And then the master bedroom, he sees a huge amount of blood, and Amy is lying in a bed with her kids, with Camille and Braxton. Um, Buck's freaked out, and and he tries to run out of the house to get help, but the doors had been deadbolted from the inside. And it's kind of deadbolt, y'all, where it's not a knob that you turn. You have to, you had to lock it with a deadbolt with the key. See, he can't get out, 
right? So he's trying the doors, um, and and he can't get out. Well, he calls the cops, right? And they respond, and once they get there, they had to break down the kitchen door to get in the house. Now, can you imagine Mr. Buck being in there that this time and, and the, the amount of time it took them to respond, et cetera? Uh, they, the cops get in the house, and they go in, and I'll tell you more de- details later on. They go in, and uh, they open the door, and when they do, they announce themselves, and, uh, police or sheriff's office, whatever said, and Amy raises and now she's in the bed with her two kids and a shit ton of blood and she raises her right hand and it had a she was holding a large knife and she said get the fuck out well that's not gonna work right and now the, the cops are looking at the blood they're looking at probably we're considering the kids dead already, and they're looking at the blood all over, and she's raising a knife. What do you think they do? They're going to do just fucking pack up and leave? Too bad we can't stay. No. Um, they gave her loud, several loud verbal commands and to drop the knife, and she refused. And one of the officers used their taser uh, and shot Amy with it, right? And when they did, the electrical shock caused her to drop the knife Calls her to drop the knife, um, and once she did, they were able, well, to the best they could, they were able to secure, and they tried to, to attempt to rescue the kids. Um, they, they took the kids, at Braxton and Camille, out of the bed, and when they did, they saw multiple knives in the bed, but that wasn't all, y'all. It was also a dead dog. In the bed. Um, this is tough to tell, but I'm just going to tell y'all the what was found, and I'll read some more to you on it later on. When they took um, Braxton out, it was Braxton now. He's just a baby, basically. Braxton had been stabbed 20 to 25 times in his chest and another 50 to 55 stab wounds he had in his back, y'all. There were so many wounds or stab wounds that they could not be determined exactly due to the presence of perforating uh, wounds. Oh, y'all, and that what that means is if you stab from both sides of the body and you stab so many times the wounds can get mixed right they, you know you don't want to over double count them but you the the holes even though they're bigger than single stab holes you but they come from both sides so it's, it's just hard to get an accurate count I mean Jesus Christ can you imagine in but I mean they couldn't get the uh, the exact amount because the wounds went through his entire body and exited the other side, and that's from both sides, y'all. But he also had five defensive wounds on his left arm and uh, one or two defensive wounds on his right arm, and it was determined that he bled to death. Now, can you imagine that? The, the, 
the defensive wounds, we all know. Y'all are true crime buffs. That's the, the initial part where Braxton was trying to fight his mother for his life. Now let's go to Camille, unfortunately. Y'all, when they examined Camille, she had suffered approximately 30 to 35 stab wounds to her chest. And again, from the back, she had 30 to 35 stab wounds. And guess what? They were perforating also, meaning they're all mixed up. Uh, I mean, you stab them 30 to 35 times from the front, and you roll them over and stab them 30 to 35 more from the back. Um, She, Camille, also had five defensive, she had five defensive wounds on her left arm and nine defensive wounds on her right arm, y'all. It's horrible. Braxton had some defensive wounds. Camille had a lot more, but then Camille had more wounds. Listen to this. She was also stabbed in the scalp approximately 30 times and naturally the cause of death was that she bled to death that is now well of course don't forget the dead dog um geez i mean it's, it's just incredible but all right let me tell you a what else? And I'll get to Amy in a minute. Um, they come in to work in the crime scene, and naturally they, they tried. Well, there's no resuscitating Braxton or Camille. They're dead. And, and so they bag them and tag them and remove them. Well, Amy was still alive, and she was, she was all wounded. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. But they took her to the hospital. But they're working the scene, and they find two notes written by Amy. And they were dated on that day, Monday, August the 20th, 2007. The first one, dated Monday, August the 20th, 2007, says Chad. That's that's her husband, her ex-husband. Chad, you wanted your own life. You got it. I'll be damned if you get the kids, too. Your ambition and greed for money won out over your love for your family. The hell you put us through, and I do mean all of us, because you don't know what the kids used to go through because, of course, you weren't here. This is no kind of life for them to live. I sure hope your two lying, adultering, home-wrecking whores can have more kids because you can't have these. Actually, I hope you can't. Because then you'll only produce more lying, home-wrecking, adultering whores like yourselves. Maybe you can buy some with all your money you will make from this house and the life insurance benefits you'll get from the kids. Y'all, that's Amy's writing. And stay tuned because I got more details on that. That was the first note. The second note is to Amy's mother-in-law, right? Uh, uh, Chad's mama. And it's dated Monday, August the 20, 20th of uh, 2007. It says, Judy, you run from the very thing you support. Exclamation. 
Monica pairs up with a married man, becomes a kept woman, and your response is maybe she's in love with him. So that makes it okay? How stupid! Exclamation. Your sons have affairs, bring those these whores home, and you welcome them all in? I guess it's okay for them to hurt the family as long as it's not you. Well, when you started delivering my kids to that whore, Kimberly, that was the last straw, exclamation point. To all my friends, thank for all the help and support you tried to give me. I love you all. Sorry, Daddy, Celeste, and Renee. I love you all, too. All right. That's Amy's writing on the night that she murdered her babies. Y'all, she was taken to the emergency room, um, and then, look, she was pretty fucked up. I mean, she had bad injuries. Um, Her wrists were severed, uh, cut open to the point where they exposed the tendons. Um, more importantly, the, the, or the next things, I mean, anybody can slice their wrists and, and, you know, staunch the blood or whatever, but then she had, uh, both her lungs were collapsed, y'all. She stabbed herself in the chest numerous times to the point where she collapsed both her lungs. And check this out. This is really bizarre. Uh, she had stab wounds on her skull and neck. And she had wounds to her eyelids. That's pretty. Uh, it's pretty dramatic, right? And in, I mean, I I don't know that I've ever heard of anything to that effect. Uh, but here we go. Just stay tuned. All right. So the, the, the crust of the, the thing is, y'all, she's in the hospital, and she makes several statements, et cetera, in the hospital. And, but ultimately, they would indict her for two counts of first-degree murder of her kids. Well, they don't dispute that she murdered the babies, all right? The, the, that's never even in question. The, the defense does state that, that she's insane. They said that Amy said that the devil told her to do it. She was hearing voices. And that's, I mean, that's that was her defense. And stay with me one second. I want to get this straight. So so they, they go to trial. Now, man, it's first degree murder. It's a death penalty case. And they're going for the death penalty, no doubt about it. So everything gets brought in in a death penalty case, as I've told you so many times. And just, the defense of insanity, mm, let's talk about it. And that's why I'm naming this episode Insane Question Mark. So during the trial, um, on February 4th, The Minds of Madness is set to release an investigative four part series centered on a cold case from nearly four decades ago. At first, it was just, my mom's gone. And then it became, you know, your mom was taken by a bad man. They found video of him killing women. If you'd ever watched any uh, episodes of Breaking Bad, that's exactly what you would see. 
He buried these 11 women and kept going out there. He made a road going out there. You got this dude saying, hey, I'm going to show your family these pictures. And, like, he's secretly taping her. The cops don't care. We're nothing to them. Dumped her like a piece of garbage, you know? I don't see anything that screams there's two people doing this. I never thought anything was going to come of this case. Ever. Listen to the Minds of Madness series, Who Killed Jennifer, starting February 4th, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. You know, I always say I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Well, it's because I really do. And I promised myself that I would help as many people as I could as I grew real life real crime, right? So usually I help by giving advices on cases or reading documents and giving my opinion. Of course, solving a cold case or two. Now I want to show my love and support for small businesses. If you're a bar in Tillman, Wisconsin, or a spa in San Diego, California, or even a bail bondsman in Dallas, Texas, I want to help your business grow. I've been described as having a cult-like following because y'all are so passionate about real life, real crime. But there's something else that you show me. You're passionate about my supporting local small businesses. Now, I understand every small business has unique needs, and that's why I'm offering unique, customizable advertising packages specifically tailored to your business needs. Imagine your small business ad being heard by thousands every day and seeing your ad while scrolling the feed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Real Life Real Crime Community app, Facebook, and Instagram. That's well over 120,000 potential views each day. If you're interested in learning more, you request more information at ads at realliferealcrime.com. That's ADS at realliferealcrime.com. And my team will schedule a call with you. Then we'll design a customized advertising package that suits your needs. Hey, you've helped me grow. Let me help you. Don't let your sugar turn to shit. Email us at ads at realliferealcrime.com. Peace. After they toured the home, we said, remember, this nurse is the one who treated her and cared for her after she's admitted to the hospital. And her name is Claudette Bay, B-A-Y-E. Uh, and she would, the hospital was Oshner St. Anne Hospital in Raceland, Louisiana. And that's another hospital down south. Y'all have actually been there. But she told the the, the jury that A-Bears uh, appeared to be alert and aware on the day of the killings. And when she made a series of statements about the children's death and how her divorce from her ex-husband, Chad Hebert, is what made her do it. She said, all I ever wanted was to be loved. This is what Amy said, y'all. And she said on the evening of the killings, uh, uh, that's 
the evening that she was admitted in the hospital, and this is Nurse Bay, and put this in her patient log. She said, Chad left me, and all I had was the children. I couldn't let them take the children away from me. Well, y'all, it's a first-degree murder case, and the state brought its A game, and they called 14 different witnesses and presented over 90 pieces of evidence over a three-day period uh, to in an attempt to prove that Amy Abair had specific intent to kill the nine-year-old daughter Camille and their seven-year-old son Braxton on the morning of August 20th of 2007. The back to uh, Nurse Bay two days uh, two days after she killed the children. Abair told Bay in a soft voice that she had intended to die with her babies. And she asked Bay twice about the um, funeral information. And the, this was all recalled from Nurse Bay's nursing law. You know, when you come in, the nurse urge you, if you say anything, they write it down. The She said that Amy also was, you know, sorry for, for her parents and, and in particular her recently deceased mother, um, I don't know. And, but she, she also said, I just want to die. And that's what Abair told Bay after refusing breakfast the day of the killings. She refused lunch and dinner that day as well. That's what the nurse's records show. Um, Abair's statements were made at the time. She needed the assistance of both breathing tubes and strong medication for the stab wounds to her chest, wrist, and eyes. And her, of course, her attorney, George uh, Parnham, said that, look, that's, you know, she, it's not responsible for what she told the nurse, right? She was on all these pain meds, et cetera. And then let's let's get to let's get down to the meat of the matter, and this is some of the most disturbing stuff that you're you're going to hear ever. So the original crime scene investigator from uh, Captain Tim Scanlon, who I, I actually knew from the Jefferson Parish Crime Lab. Now y'all, why that's like back in my day we would call it the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab because we didn't have our own, right? Well, Jefferson Parish is the largest parish on down in that part of Louisiana, and they have a fine crime lab, crime lab. and the first homicide school I ever went to was there uh, on that facility. But Tim Scanlon, he showed the jurors the analysis of the bloodstain patterns. Um, basically, he, he was painting the picture of Camille and Braxton the last minute of their lives. So he said, before he started, he said, uh, it appeared that Amy had staged herself in the bed with her deceased daughter and the son and the family's dog. Neither the, the kids nor the pet were stabbed to death in the bed. That's what Scanlon explained. A bear did not appear to have stabbed herself in the bed either. She likely did so in her bedroom and bathroom. And that's what he testified. A possible explanation for Amy A. Bear's decision to move her deceased children in bed beside her, 
well, they never showed one, y'all. There's no explanation. Um, but that bear moved their bodies, made identifying where they died a trickier process than if they remained where they had been killed. I mean, that's common sense, and that's what Scanlon testified. But he also testified that he found two scenes involving Abear's daughter, Pian Camille. One where it appeared she had been pushed against a bedroom wall and stabbed, causing blood to run down the wall. Y'all, uh, that probably is where some of those defensive wounds came in. And another where it appears she was stabbed on the floor of her mother's bathroom. Can you imagine? And, and remember, it's 30-something wounds to the front, 30-something to the back, plus all the stab wounds to her, um, her scalp. And uh. All right, Scanlon did not say where in the house that, that Braxton, the seven-year-old, had been stabbed. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, Braxton suffered from autism. And, I mean, you know, it makes it even worse, right? A mild case autism. And... Um, but he was, you know, naturally they were over show. He was stabbed over 50 times. And then the family dog, Scanlon said, was fatally stabbed in the utility room, according to analysis of blood found there. And I would assume that's the same. I'm not positive. I would assume that's the same utility room that R.J. or Buck, the father, I mean, the grandfather climbed through. But blood from the two children and the dog would have almost certainly landed on a bear's clothing scanlon testified he said yet no blood was found on the recliner she sat in while writing writing suicide notes to her ex-husband and his mother judy a bear he said the only way this was possible was if amy a bear cleaned up uh prior to writing the notes and, and they had a, they y'all they had a um, handwriting expert that came in and testified, Robert Foley, said that that definitely was her handwriting. But Abear's, Amy's hands left bloody prints on the table the note was written on, on a coffee pot and a Bible. But none of those items had sprayed, had blood spattered on them during the attack. Now, can you imagine that? So... You murder your dog. You basically chase down and murder Camille. You murder Braxton. Put them all in the bed with you. Or maybe they did it. I don't know, but you, she cleaned up is what he's testifying. She cleaned up. Um, she, she went in and made a pot of fucking coffee and then sat down. She had clean hands, sat down and wrote those two suicide notes at, at Reggie before either then dragging the kids in the bed. I don't know. Um, you would have to assume that, I mean, if she put multiple knives in the bed and she didn't even stab her own self in the bed. They said that she, it appeared that she did those injuries to herself in her own bathroom. So she didn't put the kids in the bed after cutting her eyelids. Uh, the So she had to put her murdered babies and their dog in the bed and then stab herself to, to the point where she punctured both her lungs and cut her eyes and slit her, or slit her wrists and cut her eyes. I don't know the, the, the process. 
and then and then she climbs in the bed, and she told that nurse at least that she had intended to die with her kids. But not before she drank some coffee, y'all, and wrote those notes I read you. Now, in the trial, y'all, it, it, it just goes on and on. But basically, like I told you in the trial, they weren't disputing the fact that that she murdered them, but they said that in she was insane. She's crazy, and and. So that what happens in these cases? Well, the defense puts on X amount of doctors to say she was under psychosis and whatever had a history of mental illness. And actually, they, they on this one, they one of them testified that she had a history of mental illness. And then on redirect, the prosecution was like, mm, "Show me where she had a history of mental illness," and he wasn't able to provide it. Right? Typical of a hired gun. Yeah. What was what was proven? What, what was proven? I can't say. What was proven? What was stated? And it's a matter of public record. And was that when they when they separated and they divorced in two thousand six, that Amy learned that uh, Chad had an affair with a, a woman named Kimberly. And over that next year, Chad's relationship with Kimberly became more serious, and they started to plan a wedding, which was set for for. In, 2008, y'all, just a couple months after this, after she murdered the kids. Uh, she also, Amy, noticed that the kids began developing a close relationship with Kimberly, and she hated that. Uh, and Chad had begun building a new home where both the children would have their own bedroom. You know, it's the premeditated. I don't know. I mean, hearing voices. Let me tell you what they said about that. One of the, the defense experts testified that um, a bear was completely psychotic, and because she claimed that she saw and heard Satan in the hospital room. That's when after the murder, y'all. Um, she said she was. The Dr. Resnick said. When she killed her children because she was having auditory hallucinations in which she heard the voice of Satan commanding her to kill the children and then commit suicide to keep the family together. The voice, according to Amy Abair, then instructed her to write the notes left at the scene of the crime. Now, uh, another doctor, Dr. A-H-A-V-A, who is an expert in forensic psychology, testified that a bear was psychotic and likely could not distinguish right from wrong on the day of the fences based on her history of mental health problems and the, and the excessive number of stab wounds on the children. And then Dr. Self, an expert in forensic psychiatry, diagnosed a bear as suffering from major depression with recurrent and severe psychosis. And he further concluded that a bear must have been psychotic because only the most psychotic people attack their own eyes. Uh, I mean, kind of give some credence to it. I mean, you you can say she's lying about hearing voices or whatever, uh, but when you cut your own eyes, you're a bad motherfucker. But this is where I'm going to tell you why I'm on the fence and this episode's named Insane Question Mark. So the, the state calls 
two rebuttal experts. Um, one, a Dr. S-A-L-C-D-O, who is an expert in clinical and forensic psycho- psychology, uh, conceded a trial that Bear suffered from a psychotic disorder, but concluded that Bear was still able to distinguish right from wrong. In reaching this conclusion, he relied on Bear's notes. And this is where I agree. I totally fucking agree with this. When he looked at the notes, he revealed the logical mental process of someone seeking revenge through a retribution killing. And then Dr. Seedon, an expert in general and forensic psychiatry, opinion that Bear was capable of telling right from wrong because there was no evidence that Bear exhibited psychosis before killing her children. And he also relied on the notes as evidence of Bear's mental state in his opinion that the line, sorry, daddy, Celeste and Renee, showed Bear understood the wrongfulness of her actions. And I 1,000% agree on that. The, I don't know, the, um, I mean, I talked to her friend and you were growing up. Of course, people, you know, you get married and you grow older and you change, you know, shit changes, you have kids and mental state changes and everything else. But the, you know, the all-American beautiful girl, um, devout Christian and gets married and starts raising a family and then goes through what she went through. I know a million people who have been through almost the same thing. You know, the, the, you don't want to see your kids being raised part-time and, and with, with your accident in another house. And I get that. The, but and I, I understand being jealous of your kids spending time with your ex and another person, right? I mean, it's human nature. Who wouldn't? Even if you like the person, you'd still be jealous of that if you're any kind of parent. But the to go to the point where you stab them so many times and they put up a fight. You know, they're babies, they're kids, well, I think seven to nine, and, and they put up a fight. The evidence doesn't lie, and but she continued on, you know, and stabbed him so many times from the front, and then at some point rolls him over and stabs him that many times again from the back, perforating wounds, and then all the cuts, it's like a scalp and everything and 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 then I guess, I guess she killed the family dog either that was act her last act of being a good mom wants to put their pet to not to arrest with them wants to murder their pet with them or more than likely the dog was going ape shit and barking and she thought that it would cause attention so she killed it too but then you have to take your babies and Either before or right, let's go to the notes. You have to clean up a certain amount to after you after you murdered your kids and the dog. You have to clean up a certain amount and you make yourself a fucking pot of coffee, and then you sit down at your kitchen table and you write the two notes. And the two notes were where I think Amy Abair fucked herself, and and. The, you take the time to write the notes and say, I'm sorry, 
that means you know you did something wrong. Definition of insanity. She had never taken the time to write those notes. And after she wrote the notes and, and said she was sorry, then she had to either then move the babies in the bed and put the other knives and the dog in the bed and then do the wounds to herself in the bathroom and come back and get in the bed and, and maybe hope to die. I'm not saying she didn't hear the voice of Satan or whatever, but shit, people hear voices every day don't do shit like this. But the, I'm not saying she did or she didn't, but she took the time to stage them and herself. And I believe she probably did truly intend to kill herself. I really do believe that. But I also you know she was, I believe she was doing it just like the note said um, to tell Chad to go fuck himself and her mother-in-law to go fuck herself. And all she did was murder these two innocent babies, um, which has to be the worst crime. I mean, even worse than raping your own kid and you know, murder them like that when they're begging for their lives and, and the family dog and put them in there and then you try to say you're crazy. No. I think it was a mixture of things and I, you know, I, I do think she was at the end of the rope and stuff like that but a lot of people get resets point every day and a lot, but they don't do what she did, you know? Annihilated her family. And I can't imagine what that did to the father. He was moving on with his life, trying to do his thing, and they, and they get that. And what about the grandparents? What about Mr. Buck that had to see that and find them? And I don't know how long it takes to bleed out from slicing your wrist and cutting your eyes and stabbing yourself in the chest but I mean I don't know you know the cops had to shoot her with a taser y'all she was still alive to get that knife out so today Amy Hebert is still in car or look so look back to the trial she she got found guilty um, on the two counts of murder but when it went to the death penalty phase, I guess there were a couple of jurors who had the same question I did, insane question mark, because of all the different things that were said and the doctor's testimony and everything else. But was she, they, was she in a right mind enough where they were going to put her to death? And they said no. A couple of them said no. And I get that. I mean, that's the judicial system. So she was sentenced to two uh, consecutive life sentences at Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women, which is where she still resides today. And she's like two years older than me. Uh, I talked to some people who knew her and went on the inside there, and I'm not going to say how or, or, or what. And they said that the you would never know, you know, religious, uh, quiet, soft spoken. Um, but that when she does speak of her kids, uh, uh, of Braxton and Camille, that she speaks of them in the present tense, but it, it always has to do with God. And through the years, she still 
maintain statements that, you know, the devil made her do it and all that. Well, I guess that's a self-coping mechanism. I don't know. But insane question, Mark. I don't think so. Death penalty? I don't know. But I, I'm going to conclude this episode of Real Life, Real Crown, the podcast. Um, thank you all for listening and liking and sharing. I love and appreciate each and every one of you. You're the best fans in the world. Thank you to everybody who sent me messages on this case, and I'm sure I'll get more after this is aired. And just love y'all. And go check out the Real Life Real Crime Community app. Download it for free. I go there every day first and answer questions before I get on all our other social media. We have a lot of things coming, y'all. Um, television, stuff like that. So just hang in there. Going back to, you know, more of the old school stories this season. But you know what? Some stories like Amy A. Bear, shit, they need to be told. And it's now, I mean, I had like seven or eight different messages from different people in in less than two weeks on her. So you know, wanted to hear it. You gave me the knowledge. I shared as much as I could. So thank you for that. But the we're back to it, y'all. And I love y'all. And I thank you so much. And then LOPA, Louisiana, Oregon Procurement Agency. You know, it's my jam. If you are a lifer from, trying to see something that reminds me of something else, from Texas. And you don't have to be from Louisiana. And you want to sign up to be an organ donor, go to lopa.org. Take a minute, fill out that questionnaire, sign up to be an organ donor, be a hero. Y'all, there are people dying every day waiting on organs. So that's it. And I'm your host, Woody Overton of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?